Welcome back to another Baseball America Fantasy Podcast, the first of 2024. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. I am here, as always, with my co-host, the reigning NFBC main event co-champion, Dylan White. What's going on, man? How are you? How were the holidays up there in Canada? They were good. It was not a white Christmas. Uh, It was a muddy Christmas, (laughs) literally. Um yeah, I don't know. The time flew by. It was uh, it was relaxing, but uh, I'm exhausted today. First day back at uh, work and uh, catching up on emails, all that stuff, and uh, very tired. So not recuperative, but relaxing. I don't know if that makes sense. No, oh, yeah, that uh, that makes sense. I totally get it. I uh, I was away from writing for most of the last week. I did happen to write up the Chris Sale Von Grisham trade, which we can talk about. Uh, in a moment um but i think most of my time just kind of spent with you know family doing christmas stuff playing on the playstation 5 that my kids uh received from us for christmas um yeah it was a good time so uh it was nice to get back into it i guess a little bit today and you know ease back into it it doesn't really get real busy for for me again until spring training kicks off so this is the fun time of year. I'm thinking about fantasy baseball. You know, I'm looking at my fantasy teams, uh, thinking about moves I could make, keepers, got FYPD coming up. We're obviously doing our rankings. So <clears throat> that's where a majority of my attention's been and just been, you know, digging through numbers and, you know, scouring Twitter in the in the shadows and reading tweets and articles <laughs> and, and such. I saw there's a a new updated uh, uh, version of the process for 2024 uh, from, from, you know, Zimmerman Tanner Bell, always a very good book to read. So uh, anyway, Dylan, if there's anything else we can talk about, let's talk about the trade here. Let's talk about Chris Sale going to the Atlanta Braves in return. Von Grisham goes back to the Red Sox. The Red Sox also spent some, send some money with, with Chris Sale. Um, from a real life baseball perspective, I like the deal for both teams. Um, I hadn't realized this, but the Red Sox have not had a second baseman who's played over a hundred games at second base. I believe since Dustin Pedroia in 2016, I believe wow. 2016 was the year. It might be, it might even been 2014. Um, it's been quite a while since the Red Sox have had a consistent second baseman after having one for a good, you know, a good decade or so. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, I think for them, this is a, a good move. This is a player that I think we both believe can hit in, in the major leagues um, has shown some glimpses of, of that um, good contact skills. The approach is good. It's good balance of, you know, aggression uh, and patience. The underlying power data gives me hope that there's more power there, particularly if he can, get out in front of the ball and drive the ball a little bit more. If he starts to get into his pull side power, you know, just we have access to some of these launch angles. Pull launch angle was like dead even. It was about a zero. Um, if if he could start to get into the ball, you know, to his pull side as a right-handed hitter in Fenway Park, um, Grisham is, you know, Grisham is going to hit some homers. He's going to hit some doubles. Um, and I think he can play. The big question with him has always sort of been, 
Where does he hit fit defensively? He's not a shortstop. Um, you know, I think he probably can be fine at second base. You know, he's a bigger guy, 6'3", you know, 200, 210, somewhere around there, broad shoulders. Um, so he's a different kind of build than you would anticipate. He's like a bigger bodied shortstop. He's not super twitchy. I always thought he was kind of a third baseman. The arm probably isn't there. We'll see how it goes at second. But, you know, there's there's no reason. I think Chris Cotillo might have said this in one of his articles yesterday or, or the day before. There's no reason for them not to give him a long leash there. And and I, I agree with Chris. I think that there's no one in the organization that's really going to push him out. He probably should get an opportunity to be the first second baseman for the Red Sox since 2016 or whatever, since Dustin Pedroia to play 100 games. That wouldn't shock me. So this, I think it's a good move for them. They obviously get the length of his career. If he turns out to be an above average, you know, offensive regular at second base, this is a huge win for the Red Sox. Conversely, Chris Sale, I think, was a guy who, when he was on the mound last year, was pretty good. The underlying numbers were really good. The ERA estimators were really good. They were all in like the mid threes or somewhere around there. He was over 10K per nine. The walks were right in line with with what we typically see from Chris Sale. The fastball velocity really over this injured stretch since 2018 really hasn't fluctuated, funny enough. Um, Some of his pitch usage has and, and some of that, but I think there's still a pretty good pitcher here. There is some question, um, just talking to a few analysts around the game uh, with teams, just what their thoughts were on this trade. Um, There is some concern about the level of damage he's giving up on contact at this point in his career. But I think when you're talking about the second lefty in a rotation, your number four starter, Sale to me really just fits in perfectly with what they have going on there. He's a competitive guy. The Red Sox are taking a step back. They should have done that the last two years. It looks like they're taking a more deliberate step back, trying to acquire players with, um, you know, longer team control, et cetera, cheaper contracts, players that could turn into something. Uh, Because I think they they realize that they are sort of in this weird place in this rebuild, so to speak. Um, And I don't know if Chris Sale would have necessarily been the best fit. So getting him out of there, getting a player in return that you have some runway with, I think is a great option for both teams from a fantasy perspective, Dylan, I'll kick this over to you. I think both players benefit greatly here, but, but you tell me. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they, their value both does both go up for sure. Uh, just sale moving to the powerhouse Braves. Um, like the, the concern with sale is, is he over the hill and, and is he, is his arm going to hold up? Like that still is the question, but it's better to be pitching for Atlanta while figuring that out than pitching for Boston. So his value goes up for sure. I, I uh, kind of plugged in the projections now um, as of today uh, into my spreadsheet. And he is like the 18th starting pitcher using my, or 20th starting pitcher using my, uh, it's basically Z scores with a little bit of some tweaks. So he's right in like the Logan Gilbert, Grayson Rodriguez area, Zach Gallen, even uh, Jesus Lazardo. So that's the the expected value he's going to give, not ADP. Um, so he goes, he's he's worth it at 140 innings. It looks like his value has gone up. Uh, Von Grissom, 
same thing. His value goes up too because it was big question. What was he going to do for Atlanta? You know, they're talking about maybe left field, and then is it going to be a platoon with Jared Kalanick? What's happening? It was never really clear what the Braves' idea was with Vaughn Grissom. Um, and now, obviously, like you said, he's probably going to have a lot of leash at second base for Boston. So just having that playing time is obviously going to be good. Um, plugging into the same spreadsheet, second base, I have him kind of in the, where is he here? About 20th second baseman. And that's not even completely fully accurate because like, I don't have Mookie Betts under second base and um, a couple guys that could also play short or like Rengifo who has a bunch of uh, positional variability. He's in there too. So it's not exactly right, but he's, you know, 20th second baseman. So probably your best bet is having him at middle. Um, and that's just based on the the projections, right? That's not, thinking that there is upside um all that that's just what steamer is saying right now and what they're saying with his his playing time so if you believe that they're maybe under reporting him because you know he had maybe a lost season last year and he's getting unfairly dinged um then yeah you know pick von grissom draft him a lot higher he's kind of in the zach geloff range which kind of surprised me because i thought i thought geloff had a had a better projection um but I guess the better counting stats, sorry, the better, like more home runs, more stolen bases from Geloff is being counterbalanced by the sort of the batting average OPP thing of Von Grissom. So I don't know, maybe that kind of gives a good idea of like how you can weigh Grissom's maybe 12 home runs, 12 stolen bases kind of thing. Um, but like maybe at 275 batting average, possibly with someone who's like 250 with 2020. So it's mm-hmm. kind of similar value. Yeah, and I think uh, it's funny. We might have to update our, our second base rankings that we're going to discuss today because um, we did have Grisham listed as a shortstop because you know, he did not play all that many games at second base last year. I think even in AAA, it's about 30 games. Um, he's got under 100 career games at, at second base um, You know, and played – 18 in the majors at short and 70 uh, in triple A at short last year. Um, so we'll have to uh, make a little tweak here because they have said that he's going to be the second baseman. So yeah. um, there's not much question there. Well, maybe not like officially, officially, but that he will be playing second base. So we'll have to tweak that. You know, we'll see where he fits into these rankings. But a couple other just quick signings here. Frankie Montes to the Reds. Uh, Lucas Giolito to the Red Sox. Mitch Garver um, to the Mariners. I guess, what are your thoughts here on the two pitchers? And how much is Mitch Garver going to cloud the catching situation with our friend old Sir Cal Raleigh uh, <laughs> out there in Seattle? Uh I don't think it's going to hurt Cal Raleigh's playing time. I don't think. I think Garver, it, like his days as a catcher, are, as a primary catcher, are not really happening anymore. I don't think. I think he's going to be more DH and he might get enough at catcher sure. um, to qualify but for the next Napoli. year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I don't think it's going to really hurt Cal Raleigh that much. I think the park isn't the greatest for Garver. I think moving from the the Rangers lineup to the Seattle lineup, I know he was a free agent, but um, that's going to hurt him a bit. But I really like Garver. I mean, his his batted ball metrics are always really good. He always shows up high on my uh, my spreadsheets for like the exit velocities and the contact and barrel rates and all that stuff. So I like the move. Um, interestingly, though, um, he 
the pre-trade and post-trade projections in that same spreadsheet I was talking about under the 15-team batting average uh, parameters. Um, he does go up, but only a bit, and it's mostly just because of playing time. That uh, Yeah, like played with actual at-bats. Yeah, exactly. And But it wasn't even that much. It wasn't that, you know, we, we don't know how many he's going to play, call it 250, and then now it's 400, and it, he should skyrocket. He, he barely moved the needle, actually, in terms of uh, dollar value on my spreadsheet. So um, I'm glad he has a, a as a role. Looks like it's going to be full time. I have him in a dynasty league um, as my catcher, so I'm very happy about that. Um, yeah. In terms of the pitchers, uh, Giolito and to the Red Sox and Montas to Cincinnati. Funnily enough, their value goes down from pre signing to post signing. Where if you just take like the Steamer 600 and then just assume that they're going to get you know neutral innings 110 innings for montas type of thing or 160 or whatever it is for giolito um at a neutral site with neutral offensive backing them up to get wins they had a higher higher value than uh where they've landed now like giolito has gone down uh a little bit montas has gone down quite a bit obviously because of cincinnati great american ballpark um he's barely like he's like two dollars now or he was kind of like nine dollars beforehand at a neutral park uh, and neutral team so i'm happy again also i have montas as well i'm happy that he has a team and so he's going to be in the rotation and, and he's you know got a role but uh you know cincinnati may not be the best place for him to land in terms of his his rate stats um but you know with that team and their offense that's uh in ascendance um maybe he'll get some wins that he may not have otherwise had on uh you know on the royals or something yeah you know i think we'll we'll see um you know it's not impossible either of these guys rebuild some value um we've both seen pitchers have good seasons with these teams so it's not out of the realm of possibility they're not great gambles though they're not somebody that you're drafting with excitement. I feel like you're kind of backing into a corner at the bottom of a tier when you're taking either of these guys and being like, all right, you know, I'm crossing my fingers and kind of jumping off the bridge or whatever. So <laughs> good luck. Um, but no, I think, you know, the leagues are deep enough, um, you know, the right format. Both of these guys are obviously players that you might gamble on. I think I'm a little bit more interested in, in what Montes can be. Um, but that shoulder injury, injury obviously is is a major question mark. Um, Giolito has pitched the innings over the re recent seasons. That's has the health has not been an issue. He just really has not been productive in a few seasons now. And the majority of his career, if you look at the numbers, you know, over the course of his entirety of his career, he's been pretty mediocre outside of a year or two. So um, I don't know how much I want to gamble on that. We'll see, you know, certainly he's a guy that's been open to trying different things and, and you know, tweaking stuff. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if something can work out. But that being said, Dylan, let's take a quick break here. And then we're going to jump in on the second half of the show, talking some second base ranks. What do you say? Let's do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are back. All right, Dylan. The top of the second base position hasn't looked this good in a long time. Mostly because Mookie Betts is now a second baseman. (laughs) (laughs) There hasn't been like a top five to ten-ish player at second base like this uh, in a while. And, you know, here you go. I mean, easy first-rounder-ish type, especially for me at second base. Uh, Rosterman at Dynasty, Dynasty League drafting him as an outfielder a few years ago and now having that like second base shortstop eligibility even last year was uh pretty remarkable i just wish that team was a little bit better so i could have taken advantage of that but he's playing second base going forward that's going to be his position it seems um there's not much to say about mookie Betts. the offense gets better with shohei otani team looks good um he's obviously been incredibly productive uh in a good dodgers lineup um, but not great, and it's going to get even better this year. There's not a whole lot to say here. Um, I think when you go through the top five, a lot of familiar faces. Um, Ozzy Albies at two, Marcus Simeon at three, Jose Altuve at five. I held out number four, Matt McClain. <laughs> He's the newbie here. I'm high in McClain. Obviously, you are as well for him to land uh, four in our <laughs> in our combined rankings. Um, I know it's not a full season sample size that we have so far at the major league level. The more I dug in, the more I looked at the numbers, the more I looked at the year-over-year numbers, albeit minor league data even. There were substantial changes with McLean in terms of improvement on uh, plate skills, but also underlying exit velocity and contact on his uh, and angles on his best contact were more positive. So just a a variety of sort of uh, attributes and things that came together here for McLean to have this sort of breakout season. Um, There's still some swing and miss that there's still some stuff to be concerned about potentially, but where do you stand on McLean? Um, you know, obviously multi-position eligibility entering the year, whether he keeps that or not, it's a different story. Yeah, I really like McLean. I was not really on McLean before last year. Um, definitely a miss on my part. Um, but he was definitely impressive. He was the third number three ranked AAA hitter per Robo Scout. 
Uh, like you said, he he kind of improved his contact, his 90th percentile exit velocity. His chase rate stayed about the same, but his barrel rate went up. Um, he has the second base and shortstop eligibility. He played good shortstop. They liked his bat, um, even when there was sort of a glut of offensive um, options. He would kind of hit second or third um, in that lineup. And so I can't imagine that's going to change much. Uh, I have him on my personal ranks. I have him ahead of Semyon. So I, I see a lot of good things. He's only going to be 24, I believe, heading into the season. Great ballpark, great lineup, confidence from the team, good defense. Um, I have his peak very similar to Semyon's peak, except McLean's going to you know, age into his peak and Semyon's going to um, only kind of decline from here on out being 33. Um so, I mean, I think that's kind of an interesting philosophical discussion. Where are you in your in your window? If you're a win now and, uh, you know, this might be your last year to try, you'd, you'd probably prefer Semyon. Um, if you have the opportunity to wait, if you're kind of a competitive team, but you don't have to push your chips in yet, you know, you'd probably want the Matt McLean over the Semyons or even the Altuves. Um, so, yeah, I have them all in that same ballpark. And I think that's it's kind of nice the way that kind of falls out that, you know, depending on where you are in the window, you can take either guy that's, you know, right back to back on our list. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and I'll also say this, I think there's a lesson here with Matt McClain, and that is like sort of never to say never with prospects who do have some pedigree, who do have some opportunity, you know, that do have an investment from an organization. And I don't think you were wrong. I think this is the lesson here is these are human beings. They evolve, they de-evolve. Players get better, they get worse. They don't stay on that same trajectory. Even when they're in the major leagues, there's so many other sort of like factors that that come into play. McLean's a guy that showed the ability to get focused on a certain area, make those adjustments, turn it into tangible skills, and of course that you know turned into opportunities and, and production. And that's what it's all about is, is guys like this that sort of have that makeup and that mentality that can make those adjustments and sort of take things to the next level. I could tell you, you know, firsthand having some experience with McLean family, uh, that's just sort of a trait that they all have. And he's, you know, of the three brothers, I believe Matt is probably the best athlete. Um, so, you know, he's a probably going to be a pretty good runner for, I think, uh, a, a little bit of time. You know, I'm not too worried about um, – the stolen bases going away entirely, you know, 14 last year over 89 games, um, you know, 10 in AAA as well at 27 the season before that. So, you know, I think like 15 to like maybe 20 stolen bases in his high years um, isn't crazy, but I think in that lineup, he's going to hit near the top of it and there is run upside. And I think that's the one thing that gives me pause with maybe a player like McLean or a younger player, um, versus a Simeon, even in like a startup dynasty draft. There's so much like run floor with Simeon. Like, you know, you're going to get 90 runs, I think. Even if he's a down year or misses some time, I feel like you can plug in those 90 runs and feel real comfortable about it and all the things that come along with that. And I think if you're constantly chasing that run number, most of the time, everything else will, will take care of itself. You'll have some speed. You'll have some power. It's just kind of how it works. Um, but, yeah, that's that's one of those guys that I do I, – I understand the philosophical debate, especially if, like, you were complete rebuild. Obviously, it's it's McLean. Um, 
I think I actually have a dynasty team where I drafted this offseason where I have both of them. So <laughs> <laughs> why not both, I guess, is uh my expression there. <laughs> you brought up you brought up Jose Altuve um a little bit here. You know, obviously kind of a disjointed season, fractured his thumb in the World Baseball Classic, you know, missed more than a month uh, because of that. Returns mid-May, you know, is back for 32 games, oblique injury, misses more time. But those final 58 games here, you know, July 26th on, kind of got that vintage Altuve, hit 335, 404, 544 with 11 home runs um, over that 58-game stretch. That gives me some hope that we could sort of get one of those classic sort of second half of Altuve career type of seasons. Not the not the speedster without the power, but the guy with the power and the batting average and the, the solid on base skills. Um, and I believe he's going into a contract year as well. So, you know, he might be looking to splash it one more time. So what are your thoughts here on Altuve? I actually really like him as a redraft player this season. Yeah, I mean, I love Altuve. Um, he has like sort of the highest WRC plus uh, projection of those three that we're talking about and also higher than Glaber and Ozzy Albies. So um, at face value for redraft, he's almost like arguably one of the, the top two other than Mookie Betts um, second baseman to draft in redraft. It's just the age thing for dynasty is, you know, you just got to ding him a bit, um, even though he's projected for three and a half war. And so that means he'll, probably meet make three war the year after etc which is still obviously an excellent player um and so he's not um in a decline phase such that he's not rosterable in the near future that's definitely not true he's going to be very good for quite some time um i have him like number three well number four if you you can't boogie um on my personal rank so i believe in in the bat um the short Porsche Crawford Crawford, uh, the Crawford boxes for Houston obviously helps him a lot, and that's great. You can take advantage of that. Um, high WRC plus, going to be at the top of the order. Plug him in for 90 runs, like he said, with Semyon. Like, he's definitely got an extremely high floor. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Altuve. No question. Yeah, and I think he's a, a you know an older player that could still have some productive time left. Um, I guess sort of... Uh... Quick fire names here. I'm going to throw at you, Dylan, if I might. <clears throat> Putting you in the hot seat here. I'm going with some players outside the top 25. David Schneider, I know you're a big Schneider believer. You're also a Blue Jays fan. The way things sort of stand right now, I think there might be some opportunity for Schneider to play every day. What are your thoughts on that? And do you believe, not that he's going to replicate that end of season flurry, but do you think that he could build on that a little bit and be an above average contributor from a fantasy perspective, regardless of what he contributes defensively? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think his WRC plus projection because of his great AAA and then like the otherworldly first 25 games that debut um, is very high. It's one of the highest ones of, of any of the second basemen. It's just more, will he get the playing time? His defense isn't the greatest, so is he going to, you know, be plugged in as be a full-time player? Not sure. Um, I have him in a couple dynasty leagues, of course. How could I not? Um, the the kind of Alefa signing by the Jays um, probably affects him in some way. Um, that, that's what I feel, but you know, maybe it doesn't. Um, 
like Schneider is going to be playing second if anywhere. I don't think he's going to be in the outfield. I don't think he's going to be in third. Um, he may eventually be left field. I'm not sure, but I think second base is his best spot. Um, maybe Kiner Falefa is not going to be there. Um, so maybe uh, maybe I'm just overthinking it. But I do like Schneider. I think for, as a dynasty asset, I think his bat is going to shine, and it'll eventually be one of those things where. Um, he will play himself into full-time playing time over the next couple of years, unless they make some huge splash signing of a, you know, a second baseman or something. And there's nowhere for Schneider to play. But uh, I do think his bat's going to get him into the lineup. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, I hope so. I'm a big David Schneider fan. I believe in you know, average bat to ball skills, probably plus approach. His on-base skills are excellent. Um, and then the power, you know, it's, sort of average-ish but he makes contact at great angles so he's constantly getting more out of his power than maybe he even should and it's not like it's it's just sort of average power you know it's not that it's like super fringy or something like that where you're like questioning whether there's strength here i think that he does hit the ball hard enough to hit for some power and, and consistently be productive so uh should be interesting all right, let's uh, let's wrap it up here with one more name. I'm going to throw at you. We just snuck into the back here. Chase Mydroff over Louis Angel Acuna. I don't even know if this is controversial any longer. I think people <laughs> are a little bit off Louis Angel Acuna, and I don't necessarily blame him. I think that uh, some of he's a good player. He'll be a major leaguer. I think some of the hype around Acuna has been built up because of who his brother is. And, and who is that? Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think I think his I defense is Ronald Ronald <laughs> uh, Senior. I think I think that uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I have Acuna ahead of my draft on my own personal ranks, but I totally understand him dropping down. His WRC plus projection is not very good, um, even at peak, and that will affect his playing time unless he's incredible defensively. I don't think he's incredible defensively. Um, he will get stolen bases though. So from a fantasy pr perspective, he'll probably still put up value. He'll probably have multi-positional eligibility. I think um, he's still very young. So there's a lot that can happen that we we're just talking about with Matt McClain. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I think he was being overrated. Now I think maybe he's getting underrated, undervalued, because I have seen a lot of negativity online about him. Um, so maybe maybe it's a good buying opportunity as long as you don't set your expectations too high. That maybe sure. someone you, you can take advantage of someone being like, oh, I better get out from underneath of Acuna here, um, get him as a as a throw in some trade or whatever. My Droth, I mean, he's a very divisive. Um, prospect as we know um, I think he kind of settled into sort of like an average um, performer across the board with maybe less power than uh, than average but you know solid batting average solid on base a few a handful of steals uh, maybe not quite double digits but uh, you know like seven to nine type of thing sure. um, probably you'll get multi-position eligibility as well so, you know, a nice little player, but not someone that you want to, like, t target to make sure you get onto your team, in my opinion. I think there's some some quantish qualities here, though, where there's bats of ball skills and there's good approach. He's good enough defensively at third base, frankly. 
um, can play a little second base, maybe shortstop if you're really stretched, but you probably don't want to do that for a long period of time. Um, Boston trains bat speed well. It's something that they have a big focus on. You know, Jason Oakhart, driveline, you know, sort of uh, their first hitting guru back in the day was with the Phillies. Now it's been with the Red Sox for a couple of years. I know that's a point of emphasis. If you read some of our Red Sox reports, um, they'll be coming up the top 30s. I've already read the handbook, so I already know all the things they're going to publish online soon. Um, but with that, that, that knowledge and foresight of the future and the information, um, my draft has been working on bat speed, et cetera, adding some impact. I'm kind of interested because if he's a guy that you can get to, to like average impact, right? Like a 50 power guy in terms of homers. That becomes kind of interesting to me. You know, um, I personally think he has passed uh, 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 Nick, York Nick York without much without much of a question there. Um, and yeah, you know, they're, he's divisive for a reason. I think at points in time, you know, we, you know, uh, he's had some hype, but <laughs> there has been production there. There's no doubt. Um, and I think if you look at the underlying skills and you say, Hey, if this guy could add some impact, even be average, that's a pretty useful player and somebody that could get up to Boston you know, and maybe get an opportunity to play, you know, a few different positions, probably not second base. Cause as we said, it's probably going to be Vaughn Grisham. Maybe he can play a little third and uh, you know, go from there. But I, I, I do think he's an interesting player there. I think he has mu- as much of an opportunity to be a solid contributor from a fantasy perspective as Acuna does just in a, in a different way. Um, so there you go. Look at me. I'm a little bit more on chase my than I was. A year ago um but never disliked the player uh, i just think the expectations but he's you know he's at the back end of our list for what it's worth so there you go Dylan. anything else you wanted to say about second base before we wrap this up and we'll move on to third base next week no that's all good i think it's a it's a pretty deep position uh i like the five guys at the top um but it, there's a lot of depth at the second base and, uh, you know, third base is maybe even deeper and maybe even better too. So that's a little teaser for what's to come in the podcast next week. Alrighty. Well, there we have it. Another episode of the baseball America fantasy podcast. Make sure you keep tuning in, subscribe to baseballamerica.com. We got a ton of fantasy content coming out for you. Of course, the 2024 prospect handbook with 30 scouting reports on prospects from all 30 teams. That's 900 total scouting reports. That will be available shortly. You can buy it online. You get your digital copy first. Then you get the hard copy. Within the next few weeks, you'll have a lot of information to dig through, read through. Uh, There you go. But we appreciate you guys uh, listening, liking, subscribing, all that good stuff. Have a great start to your 2024.